I will begin by reading the passage to us. So, Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be starting in verse 21. So, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, "Uh, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, And he went in where the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithu kami, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now that by your Spirit, you would increase and strengthen our faith that we would see Jesus for who he is. Help us, Lord, to know that every word in your, uh, in your Bible, in this, in this book, Lord, is inspired, that it is true. So, Lord, I ask that you would transform us by your grace. And help us to see how you are a great Savior. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, last week we had a situation where Jesus wants to take his disciples into a kind of a field trip, as we said. So, Jesus said, I'm talking a lot to you. I want you to know who I am, so let's go do a few things. And we saw Jesus, he calmed a storm, and then he cast out uh, the demons of this crazy dude uh, naked in a cemetery. And the next two stories that we have here are all part of that big story where, where Jesus is kind of showing and demonstrating his power. That Jesus has power over hurricanes. Jesus has power over darkness. And in this story, we see that Jesus has power over sickness, and he even has power over death. 
And the, the main thing that I think Mark is trying to communicate to us is it's a story that because of Jesus' power, we should come to him with hearts full of faith. So if there's anything that you leave tonight with, I hope it's this one thing, that because of Jesus' great power, we should come to him with hearts full of faith. That we can't gaze upon Jesus lightly. When we see what he's capable of doing, that he can make a storm stop like this, that he can look at the worst of darkness and bring light into it, that he can look at a woman who has been sick for 12 years and raise a little girl from the dead. When we see his power, we should come to him with hearts full of faith. And the reason why I I like this story so much, and even a couple years ago, why I picked it, because it's a passage of how Jesus is taking people on a journey from a weak faith to a strong faith. Now, something just about the nature of faith, I kind of like to compare it to when you get gold and you try to burn out all the impurities. And so I even like went on YouTube today, uh, this afternoon, and I was watching videos of how they purify gold. And most of them were really long, and I was like, yeah, I don't got time for that. But I found this like two, three minute video, and it kind of showed it. And what they do is they get this big chunk of gold. They put it in a little ore, and they just put like, like a tremendous amount of heat into it so that it makes the gold liquid. And what happens is they kind of pour it out, and they put it, some other stuff on it, and they put it into a little cask, and then they put more heat on it. And what it's doing is it's burning out all of the impurities. And I think the same thing goes with our faith. That sometimes our faith has impurities in it. It is maybe mixed, our faith is mixed with uh, fear. It's mixed with self-preservation. Our faith, it's mixed with laziness or apathy. Or maybe even like this woman, it has a little bit of a superstitious note in it. Our faith sometimes is just merely inspirational. And what Jesus is always doing, listen, is he's taking people from a weak faith to a strong faith. And I want us to know that for anyone here, it doesn't matter how many impurities our faith has. Even the smallest amount of faith is is enough for Jesus. But he's never content where you are. Let me say that again. Wherever you are as a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, 12th grader, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, Jesus is not content with where you are. He's always going to take your faith to a whole new meaning, to a whole new level. He's going he's gonna to burn out the impurities. He's going to burn out the part of the faith that has fear or laziness or apathy. And he's going to bring us to a faith where we come to him with hearts full of faith. And so uh, what we kind of see in this story is three things of what I think true faith looks like. Right? Three things of what I think uh, a heart of faith trusting in Jesus should look like. So I... So here's what, if you want to listen well tonight, this is what you can do. Is when you hear these points, think of what would it look like for, for me to have faith like this? What would it look like for me in my context tomorrow when I wake up and go to school? How should I practice this point? So like I said, there are three uh, ways this passage is showing us what it means to have faith. And the first is this, first point. Faith believes that Jesus is for everyone. Faith believes that Jesus is for everyone. Go ahead and look at this story with me again. So, um, so verse 21, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat. So again, like this is like the same day where he calms the storm, he gets on a boat, and he comes to the other side, and he sees the Gentile demoniac. Same day, he gets on a boat, and he comes here. And what happens? Lo and behold, 
People are all around. There's crowds, right? They hear about Jesus. They, they hear about his healing powers. They want to come to him, but someone important comes. And we're told that his name is Jairus, but more specifically, he is the ruler of the synagogue. Now, here's the thing. You can imagine the ruler of the synagogue being someone like the mayor of Olympia, or maybe like even a local uh, state representative, right? They kind of have some influence. They're known. They, they probably have a, a very... Uh, widely felt influence, and they are kind of people who get what they want. They are people who are in control. They are people who have all of their ducks lined in a row. But what is unique about him? He has an issue. And that issue is, look at verse 23. He says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be well and live. So really, the language there is so kind of pointed that he's saying, my, my child, she's going to die any moment. So you have someone who in all respects of society and life and, and the rules of, of, of social kind of uh, notes that and he, he's well-liked, he probably has money, he has influence, he is someone who gets what he wants usually. And, and what does Jesus do? Pretty simply, it says, uh, verse 24, he went with him. Like, sometimes um, I, I hear people say that Jesus is just the God for the poor, for the weak. Um, that he, he, he bypasses the rich. But here's the thing, like, Jesus is a God, he is a savior for everyone. Jairus was someone who came to him with faith. I mean, I mean imagine, imagine Jairus. He, he, he heard reports, too, about just anyone else. And his daughter is dying. But what, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go wait for this Jesus. And he probably wakes up early in the morning, and he's, he's there before everyone. And he's like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to sit there. I'm going I'm to wait for him. And he comes with, I think, a pretty remarkable faith. He kind of lowers his, he doesn't try to pay Jesus off. He just says, I, I need you. I need you. And Jesus saw his faith, and he agrees. Okay, so imagine, imagine if you had a little daughter she's dying. I don't even want to think about that, really. But then imagine you hear someone who might be able to help. And then imagine you're like, oh, you said yes. And so I just get this picture where, where Jairus is like, all right, let's go. And he's kind of like doing one of these things, like, all right, come on, guys, let's go. Like, we got to hurry. It's down this way. And like, this anxiety, like, we, we, this might work. This might, this might happen. Plot begins to thicken a little bit, right? Verse 24, in the middle of it. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Now Jairus is probably getting annoyed. Like, get out of the way. Move. Like, uh, my wife was in the airport yesterday, and we always joke about people who stand in the moving walkways. Like, get out of the way. Like, it's like moving, like, it's, it's a moving walkway. It isn't like a moving standway. It is a moving walkway. Walk. Get out of the way. And they got their suitcases, double line, you know, and it's like... <laughs> I just get mad thinking about it, right? And Jairus is like, oh, come on. So we have this situation where we get a story sandwiched in a story, right? So it goes on, and what happens? Uh, we get this story about a woman. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years and had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So, two characters, both needing something from Jesus. We have a man who is named, by the way, 
and we have a woman who is unnamed. Let me just uh, give you a few observations of the differences between these two characters. So again, like I said, you have a man and you have a woman. You have someone who's respected and you have someone who's not respected. You have a religious leader and you have an outcast. You have someone who shows very public, vibrant faith and you have someone who, when no one is looking, demonstrates a private faith. One has a family, one has none. Someone is named and someone is not known. And so someone is rich and someone is poor. But what does Jesus do? He feels the power come out of him and he looks around. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Who touched me? I love his disciples. So oblivious, right? Like, uh, they're like, dude, uh, what do you mean? Like, everyone's touching you. We're in a big crowd. And it's like, I just like, you dumb disciples. You just saw this dude calm a hurricane. Like, Jesus doesn't ask dumb questions. And I think, I think Jesus knew. I, he knew, but he wanted to draw her out. He wanted, he wanted to, to show her, to teach her something. He, he wanted her to not have a superstitious face. So something about this, this girl, um, it says that she was bleeding. Now, now here's the thing. Um, in Old Testament law, uh, there was all these laws that kind of said, if you ever bled, you were unclean. And so for a woman's time of month, they had to go do certain things to kind of make themselves clean. And the thing is that if you ever were made unclean, whether you died or you bled or you had some disease, you weren't allowed to touch anyone. And, and it kind of seems like a barbaric law, but what it was really trying to do is preserve life because they believe that by the loss of blood is the loss of life. And so for someone who bled continually for 12 years, in essence, they would have said, she has been dying for 12 years. Slowly but surely, she has been dying. And as one commentator says, like a toothpaste uh, canister that is being slowly squeezed out, the life is being squeezed out of her. And she has probably not even had a hug in 12 years. Matter of fact, she is probably not even allowed to be among the people in the crowds because ceremonially she was unclean and she was allowed to touch anyone. And what does she do? She hears reports and she goes to Jesus. And, and, and here's my point. You have someone who's rich, you have someone who's poor. You have a man, you have a woman. You have someone who's acting on the behalf of someone else and someone who's acting on behalf of themselves. But listen, it doesn't matter for Jesus. Jesus makes time and room for everyone. This woman, let me tell you, she must have thought that her situation was hopeless. That she would have never, she spent all of her money, right? She did everything she could, but she only grew worse. But when it comes to Jesus, there's room for everyone. Here's the application. There is never anyone who is too far gone from the saving work of Jesus. No one can ever run so far away that even Jesus can't reach out and save them. He is the God of the poor and the rich. He is the God of the slave and the free. He is for the outcast and he is in the crowd. And here's my question. Do you believe this? Do you have faith that Jesus is for everyone? 
that he is for the refugee, that he is for the racist, that he is for the kids at your school who you can't relate to, that he is for your crazy Uncle Tom, that he is for President Trump. Jesus is for everyone. And sometimes I think we look at people and, and their life and some of their sins and we more or less, we, what do we do? We write them off. We kind of say, man, like, like there's, there's Christian, there's non-Christian, and there's like really far down here, like not Christian at all. But let me say something. Faith knows that Jesus can save anyone. He, he's for everyone. He, he, is, he is for the rich and for the poor. He's for the woman and for the man. And I think sometimes even more than just writing other people off, listen, we even can write ourselves off. Man, Jesus must be really mad at me this time. I've just, I've done this sin too many times. I think he's just really, he doesn't look at me the same way. Man, like, I, I just have done too many things. I don't think Jesus really loves me the same way that he loves other people. And let me tell you something. If you ever, for a second, think that Jesus' love wavers because of your performance, that is a lie straight from hell. Listen, Jesus never loved you for your performance in the first place. Therefore, you can't lose his love based on your performance. Jesus is for everyone. He takes time for the rule of the synagogue. He takes time for the woman who has been untouched. I think we should be encouraged by that. Faith believes that Jesus is for everyone. So the second point is this. Uh, faith believes that Jesus can do anything. Faith believes that Jesus can do anything. So I want to talk a little bit more about this woman. This woman, she, all she had was reports. Like there was no Twitter. There was no social media. There was probably no even newspaper circulation. She had just simply heard of this name. Hey, this guy from Nazareth, Jesus, supposedly he's like saving people. He has miracle powers. And if you like, I think she like thought there was some superstitious, like, so um, it says that she touched the end of his garment. One time, we were in Mexico a number of years ago, and I, I was asked to preach in the Spanish service, and I, and I preached this message, and uh, there was other American groups that happened to be at this service, and one of them was this Jewish church from Tacoma, of all places, in, uh, in this little service, and they come up to me afterwards, and they had a garment, and they actually showed me what it was like talking about, the little piece of the garment, this tiny little thread this woman, if she can just touch a tiny little thread of Jesus' garment, my disease will go away. And here's the thing. I think this woman maybe thought that, like, Jesus' garment was like Superman's cape, that it had, like, some electric abilities through it. And if I just touch him, I'll get healed. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, no, no, no. Where is she? Where, I, I got to tell her something. Even though she, she had the, enough faith just to say, I'm, I'm just going to grab on. Jesus says, I'm going to lead her from a place to where she thinks her faith is this, but it's this. What does Jesus do with her? So go ahead and look down at verse 33. <clears throat> but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, 
quick pause right there. I mean, again, this is my interpretation a little bit. I'm reading between the lines a little bit. But I, I really think this is probably might be the first time in 12 years she has heard someone refer to her in an endearing way. Daughter. Your faith. Not my garment, not a piece of clothing, but rather it was your faith that has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus goes out of his way to track her down to let her know that it wasn't superstition, it wasn't fear, but rather it was faith that saves her. It was her faith in Jesus. And even though it was small, it was mixed up, it was confused, faith saved her. Do you know why? Because Jesus accepts small faith. Maybe uh, when you first came to Jesus, you were in a VBS Maybe you were in the car and your parents are talking to you. Maybe you're visiting your grandparents' house. Maybe you're here at youth group or a Sunday morning service. Maybe you were alone in your room. And you were considering all the things that you've heard about Jesus. You've heard the reports. And in that moment where you put faith in Jesus, let me tell you, I'm sure that it was small. I'm sure that it was weak. But Jesus was pleased with it. There's this Christmas song that my wife and I have been listening to like on repeat just every single day. I quote it all the time. There's so many good things about it. But at the very end, one of the lines I really appreciate is he says, uh, the cry of faith, so simple, is still the greatest song in heaven's hymnal. That, that Jesus isn't looking for people who express like an unwavering, perfect faith. Of course he wants that, but, but Jesus says he is pleased with just even that smallest little faith. But Jesus, I know you're there. I know you care for me. And I know that you died for my sins. The smallest amount of faith, Jesus says, I'll accept. But what does Jesus do with this woman? He keeps pushing her onward. So he pauses. He could have just kept going like, hey, good for you, girl. Get it. Like you're, you're cleared, right? Awesome. But he actually, he finds her out in order to let her know, like, listen, it was a superstition. It was, it was your faith. And so he takes her from what? A private faith to what? A public faith. From a superstitious faith to a faith grounded in Jesus. And sometimes I think that word faith, I, I talk about this a lot, is kind of a word that gets thrown around. Uh, and sometimes when a word is used in so many different contexts and used so much, it can lose its meaning in a way. So one, when I hear people say, my religion or my faith, I, I kind of squirm a little bit. Not, not that it's necessarily bad, but typically in our society, when you say my religion, is you kind of open this small little door to say, well, their religion and their religion. And your religion is just one of many religions. And uh, I, I don't really like saying my religion because I don't want to give any indication that there is any other true religion. There really is only one true religion, and it's it's... The Christian faith. And so when I, when I say that word faith, people kind of say, oh, your personal faith. Well, you believe in this and I believe in that. Faith is not this idea that um, I just am going to believe really hard. That I'm just going to kind of muster up some emotions and I'm going to kind of just choose to believe. Um, and so there's an illustration that I use in my Sunday school class a lot that I think is helpful. If you go stand on ice and you're not sure if it's like... like the lake might crumble up before you and you fall in. I saw a video recently where a guy, uh, 
He was hitting a golf ball on ice, right? And so he swings and he slips. And so he comes down with a club and it breaks the ice. And then he starts running and he falls through. Uh, so that was a bad example of, you know, don't standing on ice when it's not safe, right? But if you go to winter camp and there's a frozen lake and you step out on it, you take, you take the step of faith and you go out in the lake, what has saved you from falling in? The 10 inches of frozen ice beneath your feet. Listen, it wasn't faith that saved you. It was the ice. And the same thing, it is faith in Jesus that saved us. It isn't faith. So uh, who's seen like the kids movie uh, Prince of Egypt, right? Little cartoon version. So at the very end of the the movie, Israelites are all walking out and it's happy. And I think like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, this like little like... If you just believe, things can happen. I don't like, like, just believe, just believe. Garbage. Rubbish. It's like, one, like the point of the Exodus did not happen just because they believed, right? So it, it, faith is not just, I'm just going to try to believe. It is, it is always a, there's an object to our faith, and that, that object is Christ. Our faith isn't just, I kind of, have this like nice inspirational feeling is I look to Jesus and what he has done and that's what saves me. Jesus is what saves me. But for this woman, she knew, even though her faith was crazy and superstitious, that Jesus could save her. Do you know why? Guys, do you know why Jesus can save her? Because Jesus can do anything. Jesus can take a woman who is sick and make her better. Jesus can stop a storm like that. Jesus can heal anyone. So he takes this woman from a private faith to a public faith. Now, let's press the play button with the Jairus story again. Okay, if you're Jairus and you're watching this whole exchange go down, what, what are you feeling? At first, you, you woke up early, you told your wife, take care of our daughter, and you go to Jesus, and you're just hoping, and you're praying, and you're wishing, and he says yes. And so your heart rate starts beating, and you're going, and you're, you're annoyed by the walking, the, the people not walking in front of you, and all this stuff, and, and you're, you're going, you're making it to the house, and you turn around, and you see Jesus, like, looking around. Come on, man. What are you doing? You're probably with the disciples, like, who touched you? Who cares about that right now? We have a mission to save my daughter. And Jesus is looking around, and he finds this woman, and he probably has his hand on her. And Jairus is sitting there like, are you got to be kidding me? <laughs> so imagine you have had chronic um, uh, arthritis for 12 years. Right, your bones—they hurt. It's just—it's hard to get around. It's hard to run. It's painful. And imagine you go to St. Pete's, and you're like, "Doctor, I, I just need some help. I need some help." And while you're waiting in the, uh, the little room to see the doctor, a, a little girl comes in. She's 12 years old, and she's about to die. And she she needs immediate medical attention. And there's only one doctor available. And he hears about the girl. She needs a doctor right now. But he's like, oh, do you know what? 
Hey, uh, you with the arthritis. I'm, I'm going to see you first. Can you imagine if a doctor did that now? Someone who is about to die says, no, they can wait. But the person who's had this condition for 12 years, who could probably wait another 30 minutes, right? You'd think, like, you had this for 12 years, and yeah, you'll be fine a little bit longer, right? Like, I, I think that's what we call malpractice. What, what's Jesus doing here? Like, it seems cruel. Because the worst news comes to Jairus in the middle of this whole exchange. What happens? Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came someone from Jairus' house, the ruler's house, and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Here is the part of the story I'm completely fascinated with. So um, um, remember with me, who was the person who came to Jesus with the public faith? Jairus or the woman? And who was the woman who came with a private superstitious faith? The woman. And Jesus tells the woman, hey, daughter, your faith has made you well. He kind of like affirms her. But what does he say to Jairus? He says, do not fear, only believe. So he actually rebukes Jairus and he affirms the woman. And the guy, well, he was the one who came up early. He was there in front of everyone. He was waiting for Jesus. He did the right thing, it seems. But Jesus affirms the woman and not Jairus. He says, hey, Jairus, don't worry, bud. Just have faith. Just believe. And here's the third point. Faith believes that Jesus has power over everything. Although Jairus showed great public faith, he forgot this one main thing about Jesus. That for Jesus... Healing a woman who's been sick for 12 years is just as easy as curing a dead girl. So, Jesus has power over everything. So Jesus says, hey, Jairus, I know it seems bad, but just have faith, just believe. And so, uh, Jesus kind of goes with them, they go to the house, and he comes to some mockers, right? And because he kind of goes, and he's like, hey, you guys are all crying, what's going on here? She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And it's like, here's the thing. Like, uh, if you know a little bit of the context, if you were poor back in uh, ancient Palestine here, even poor people could afford professional mourners when someone died. It was just a thing you did. So in our society, when someone dies, we kind of like try to like hold it back, and we don't try to cry. We, we try to hold it in a little bit. But back then, you showed your love for the deceased by how loud you cried. And so rich families, they would hire professional mourners. And so if you're a professional mourner, here's what you're probably used to seeing, dead people. You know when someone's dead and when they're not. And so when Jesus says, hey, 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 she ain't dead. All right, dude. Yeah, okay, because I don't see dead people all the time. They laugh at him. But here's what they don't understand either. Jesus has power over everything. So Jesus gets to this uh, little girl's house. He puts all the people out. He takes in his three disciples, and he gets the mom and his dad. And, and here is some great stuff. All right, let's look down at it. Verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithu kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Um, 
Tim Keller talks about this passage, and that, that little Aramaic phrase, Talitha Kumi, is kind of um, what most people think is just a pet name. I've kind of like, um, when I go into my daughter's room in the morning to wake them up for school, I say, hey, baby girls, hey, girlies, girls. Like, just kind of like a nickname. I'm, I'm just waking them up. And so, and that's just what Jesus is doing here. This is what he's doing. He is saying the thing that her mom would say to this little girl just to wake her up from a nap. Hey, little girl, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. And immediately, the girl got up. See, here's what's so cool about this. For Jesus, death is nothing. He lifts her straight through it. He has no problem at all. For Jesus, a resurrection story isn't any harder than to heal a a woman who's been sick for 12 years. He has every right to raise a little girl from the dead because he has power over everything, even death. It is not hard for Jesus to raise a little girl from the dead. And that's what he wants to show to Jairus and to his disciples. Hey, you think I am just some guy? But look at me. I have power over everything. And here's just a few points I want to say. Um, In Jewish customs, it was forbidden that anyone would touch someone who's unclean. Now, I mentioned before, what kind of made you unclean? A few things. But let me tell you two big things that made you unclean. Bleeding and dying. And what was said is that if you touch someone who's unclean, you kind of became unclean yourself. How can Jesus do that? How can Jesus, who is sinless and perfect and spotless, touch somebody who is dead and who is bleeding? It is because, ultimately we know, that Jesus would go to the cross. And you know what happened on the cross? God would put the sins of all of those who put faith in Jesus on him. And so in a very real sense, Jesus went out of the camp in order that we may be made clean. Jesus became unclean so that we would become clean. And more than that, Jesus, in fact, kissed the mouth of death in order that we may have our own resurrection story like this little girl. Sometimes I, I want to be very sensitive to people who aren't Christians on the outside looking in, because it looks a little crazy. Because you know what, as Christians we believe? We believe that we are people who are saved from death by death. That we are made clean because someone was unclean for us. From the outside looking in, that just looks crazy. But from the inside, when you're actually in the faith and you know Jesus and you cry out to him in simple faith, it makes complete sense. That the only way that we could have had a relationship with God is if himself would come and, and die for us. So this story that we see here is not just a story showing Jesus' power. It's a story showing how we become Christians. It is a story of how Jesus has power over sickness. He has power over death. He has power over everything. And when we see Jesus for who he really is, guys, there should, there should, something should happen in our hearts. And do you know what that is? It's faith. And it could be small. It could be childish. It could be, at times, insincere. It can be 
confused, and it could have fear and anxiety in it, but, but here's what Jesus is going to always do with us. He's going to continue to show us how great he is. He's going to continue to show us that he has power over everything. He's going to continue to show us that his grace is sufficient time and time and time again. He's going to continue to tell us that your sins are forgiven. And every single time he's doing that, do you know what he's doing? Us? He's, he's nudging us along to having hearts of full faith. That when we see the power of Jesus, we should turn to him and hearts of full faith. And I hope that every single one of us would see that having a heart of full faith means that we know that Jesus is for everyone, that Jesus can do anything, and that he has power over everything. Why don't you guys uh, bow your heads with me for a second. And let's just take a minute to uh, have a, a moment of silence And um, like I quoted earlier, the, the cry of faith so simple is still the greatest song in heaven's hymnal. I, I just encourage you, as you remember the power of Jesus, that you would run to him in hearts of full faith. So why don't you just take a minute and reflect on these words, and we'll close with singing a song.